Let me tell you a story, podcast number 136. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago. Never mind. It is a truth universally acknowledged. You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with your hosts, Steve and Becky Lyles. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine, or lace up your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, this is Steve. Hi, this is Becky. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story. We are happy to have our friends Terry and Larry Limburg with us today. They came down from their mountaintop retreat outside of town to talk about something we've never before discussed on this podcast, bears. But before we get into our topic, we'd like to say, welcome, Terry and Larry. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So we're not talking about bears that probably come close to your house, but in your traversing around the West, you did stuff with bears, took care of them and moved them from place to place. How did that all come to be? How'd you start? Well, we just heard the bear program on local Boise TV and that they needed volunteers. So we called and and offered to volunteer to transport, and they said yes. So who runs the bear program? It had been run by a woman. Uh, her name is Sally Mon. She passed away last year after 25 years of rehabbing bears and she brought on a young lady to teach her how to do it so she is running it now and it's still up and going it's called it's called idaho black bear rehab it's uh, ibbr.org so you can look it up on google and you can see the bears so you can't go see them they are kept very wild because all the bears that are brought in are eventually released back into the wild and um, they they can't be imprinted by humans or they become not afraid of humans and then when they get in the wild and start coming into um, campgrounds and stuff they become a problem bear and then they have to be euthanized. So it's all done very, very professionally. She was brought a bear a long time ago by Fish and Game, and they said, we don't know what to do with it. It was a baby where the mother had died, and they didn't think that bears could be rehabilitated back into the wild, and she studied up on it and learned about it, and as of, her death, she had done over probably 270 bears, and only five at that point in time had had to be euthanized because they became a problem bear, and three of those bears were stolen as a baby because a family thought it would be really neat to raise a baby bear and then realize that bears grow up and uh, bears get sick if they don't eat the right things. And um, unfortunately, by that time, they were so imprinted with humans that um, they, 
they are the ones that had to be euthanized. So it's really important that the bear program keeps keeps them very wild and away from people so they don't become used to people. Interesting. So what kind of place are the bears kept? I mean, there must be acres of yeah, it, It's a... Uh, there's lots of specs and hoops that had to be jumped. You know, they have, it, there's lots of requirements. And it's all regulated. Like in Idaho, uh, fishing game would be like uh, probably an authority having jurisdiction over the denning and, and, and the care of the wild animals. So there's a lot that goes into it. So there's a real concern, obviously, about just anybody taking a bear in and what they can do with it. So this is not something you just decide you want to do. It's pretty heavily regulated. All the the mothers were either killed and the babies would not survive on their own the first year. Uh, some were like if a mother had triplets and she knew she couldn't take care of all three, she would abandon one. So if they're found, all of this is done legally through the fish and game with the different states that we went to. And I think we went to seven states to pick up baby bears and bring them back to Boise, Idaho, and then take them back in the springtime or early summer to be released back to the state that they came from. But it's all highly regulated health issues. Uh, A vet has to be involved in it's not like you just bring a bear and drop it off. <laughs> it's really regulated, which which it needs to be. So they just work with baby bears then from the beginning? 99% of the time, yes. Um, because by that time, they can survive on their own after the first year or so. They can they can do just fine. But the first year, the mother really teaches them. And at the rehab, that's what's taught to them what is going to happen. They have to forage for their own food. They have things to climb on. They have a pool to play in. They have denning. So like in the in the fall, when fall comes, you start cutting back their food, just like what would happen out in the wild. And then there's places for them to den and they will automatically, instinctively just go and den. And then in the springtime, you'll see their little heads start to pop out of the dens when the sun starts coming out and it gets warmer. You feed them and feed them and feed them and really fatten them up because they're going to have to survive on that until they figure everything out on their own. But we've brought bears in as little as three to four pounds where their eyes still closed and released bears. The largest one we ever released was 13 pounds when we brought him in. He was from Sequoia National Forest. And when we took him back, he weighed 214 pounds. <laughs> so he was a big eater, but they don't all go back, back that big. But they really try to fatten them up for the first year on their own. So they figure things out. Wouldn't somebody have to be a little crazy to say, oh, look at that cute little bear. I think I'll take it home. How, 
Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, at some yeah. point, a light does go off on the dashboard because uh, they're strong. It's not a dog. I mean, they're strong, and they can hurt you really bad. These are small bears. They're not grizzlies. They're not of that size, but they're st- very strong and very fast. So, yeah, it's it's not a good idea. And then the end game is the uh, bears, usually when this happens, the bear loses. They lose their life. You know, they're taken in, and then it just goes really bad. The bear rehab is not a zoo, and it is very controlled uh, and the bears are watched. They've got lots of cameras and stuff. So there's also like research and medical things that are, are done. There's veterinarians that are in the loop that you know, do medical checks on them and stuff. And then whenever we would release these bears, it's usually done with fishing game. There's not usually, there's always uh, their personnel. The state provides all these people and it's planned. And some of them will have Korean bear dogs which look in appearance similar to like a German Shepherd dog, and they're trained. And in Washington State at that time, they used to have dogs that were trained for both bear and cougar. And part of the deal is, is if if a bear or cougar, say, gets around an elementary or some school or in public, then the fishing game, you know, when they're alerted and they can bring dogs in and, and to smell the animals and and what they'll usually do is dart them, you know, to tranquilize them, sedate them. And depending upon that particular case, that's where Idaho Black Bear Rehab can be uh, contacted through fishing game, like in an out, outside state, would would contact IBBR. And it's all really, it's really monitored the whole thing. It's not like there's bears running around in a neighborhood in Boise, Idaho. Interesting though Sally was at her facility for a long time and with the growth of Boise they wanted to buy her land and put up housing developments and you don't just move a bear rehab and she just refused to sell her property and so there are actually gated communities around where she is located (laughs) but the people know when they move in that that's what's going on it's kept very clean you know you you don't have to worry about it is just kept very clean and in orderly and respectfully to the neighbors but yeah it is it is in areas where there's just some very beautiful homes around it so how are the bears contained it's chain link fenced, and again, like you know, I keep mentioning like regulated, but this is something that's really monitored, has to per certain specs. So it's chain link, and the top, so it's a total enclosure, so the bears can climb, but they really, it's highly unlikely that they could ever get out the way that the enclosures, and we call it an enclosure as far as it, but uh, what it looks like is like a big overgrown dog run, where. Uh, chain link could be maybe 12 feet high. I mean, it's fairly high. The idea is, is that this is not a zoo, and we want it to be as natural habitat as where they're going to go. And so uh, contact with the humans and stuff, too, is just kept as close to zero as possible. There's lots of wood in the enclosures, and when they come in as a tiny bear they're in one area and then when they get to a certain point they're moved to another area 
And it's all done very carefully because the bears have to be introduced to other bears so that they will get along. And then it gets to a point where they get moved into a bigger enclosure. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then uh, they get moved into the large enclosure, as they call it. And it has uh, things they can climb on that's all made out of wood and dart under and over and bears are very playful very very playful and it's just really a lot of fun to watch them play you can see them on the cameras if you go on their website you can actually watch them play and they're really fun in the (laughs) pool and you know dunk each other and it's it's just amazing (laughs) to watch them they're just a lot of fun (laughs) And some of the releases, so they could be long days when we would go and pick up a small cub. And we've mentioned Sally. We would kind of refer to her as the bear lady. Uh, And back before technology of what it is today, but around the world, I believe China and other countries would uh, contact Sally about bear the bear program and what she was learning with the Black Bear program. So she's pretty well respected you know, around the world. But when we would go on these to bring a bear inbound from some state when a cob or whatever's, you know, come available, and we would travel sometimes, you know, it might be a several night trip. We came in one night, there was a pretty good thunderstorm going in Boise. The bear rehab had some really large trees. There was lots of wind. And we got there with this bear, and this was a not a little cub in this case. It was a little bit larger size. I, I don't know if it was 50 pounds or 80, but it was a larger size bear. Usually we would help Sally also go into the enclosures with these animals, but Sally had a sixth sense. She knew this was her gift and she knew bears and we had a lot of respect and confidence in her. And on this one occasion in particular, we were going to offer our help because you have to get it out of a smaller cage to get it into the larger enclosure. And usually a couple hands on, ta- on, on that uh, are familiar with the program, what to be done. But Sally, on this one case, that uh, it was like, no. She was sensing in this particular bear we brought in that it was exhibiting some signs of behavior that she didn't think it was really well advised for anyone other than herself to go into this enclosure with this bear. So mine, we're coming in the dark. It's, you know, it's, not, a, it's not a zoo. It's not a well-lit facility at night usually flashlights as a, as a convenience. But Sally, she could stand a bear off, and she knew their body language and the sounds that they would make. And when they're feeling threatened or they're going to get aggressive. So back to this one particular one where Sally said she didn't want us to come in, and it was 100%. She, we were very thankful that she didn't have us come in. And, and it was just credit to her that she knew these bears and their contact and could kind of project what could happen. What we didn't realize at the time was that bear was hurt. It had Mm. a broken leg. And so it was, you know, separated from its mom. It was afraid. It had just gone on an incredible ride inside a cage. It was terrified. Mm. And it was showing that it was terrified. And so the next morning when you go out to do the assessment is when she realized that the leg had been broken so it was taken to a vet and uh, it was fixed and and it did fine 
it was released back into the wild and all went good, <laughs> but didn't start out so good. But she just understands, she understands bears. I'm guessing these are tagged, these bears are. When they're released, we uh, tattoo their lip. And lots of times a, a collar is put on and it's, it's made so that it will fall off within about six months as they grow. Um, but they're tracking and what they want to do is track and see how well things are going. And it, it's just gone so well that the program is still going. It's just very, very successful. Yeah, and usually what, what helps dictate, like a lot of times, they really do want to collar these animals so they can monitor them and and glean from, from the, uh, learn from these releases and what works and doesn't work. But it becomes like so much of a, you know, it's an economic thing. And with budgets and constraints, it's more common that they're not, uh, they don't have a collar on them uh, where they can be monitored. That's usually the rule. But if a bear is hunted, and we know they will be, you know, some of them will be hunted. It's just part of the program. At least we have the tat. They they need to report that it's got a tattoo, and the number of the tattoo, and so we can keep track of which ones were shot and which ones were like were hit by a car or whatever, at least we can keep track of what's what's happened mm -hmm. to a lot of them. So how do you transport a bear? What does it take for equipment or vehicle? Well, it depends if the bear's coming in from another state or going out. If it's coming in, sometimes it's small enough and easy enough, it actually can be done in a small pet taxi you know, a, a little crate. That's kind of an exception. We usually always had metal cages with us and we would go because we didn't, you know, it's like anything in life doesn't always go according to the plan or the way it was explained. You might have a curveball. So we, if we could put them in a small crate in the truck, that's what we would do. But uh, a lot of times it'd actually be in a metal, metal large metal crate that's on the flatbed uh, that's strapped down to the back of a truck. But you know, we have to remember that these are wild animals. We want to calm them as best we can. We hydrate them as best we can. We do that a lot of times with ice, pushing ice into a cage or fruit, like grapes and stuff. And the more we could get them some food, it would have a tendency to calm them down. And we also had a dog, and our dog is, uh, was familiar with the bears. And a lot of the, so inbound from a state, if it was a small cub, and say it could be in the back seat in a pet taxi, our dog could actually lay down, had this kind of an instinct with a bear cub, and could actually calm the bear cub down. And so the learning curve for Terry and I, there was no class that we could go through or school to learn to do what we were doing. A lot of it we learned by the doing, and we learned that bear cubs can be extremely obnoxiously loud, especially when you're in a pickup for eight hours, uh, they're relentless. So if you, in our case, we had a dog that could help calm that little animal down. So that had a lot of value. <laughs> she would just lay down and put her head at the opening 
where there was a you know a gate type thing there and those little bears would come and lean against her head and just and just calm right down it was just she just had that ability and like mom exactly yeah Yeah. and they were missing their moms you know they they were just stripped of everything that they knew and and it is scary for them and not natural and so it, it was it was nice that she could that she could do that for them and their moms you know they maybe you know this uh so we're talking an animal here not a human but their mom maybe has been uh, it's fairly common that a bear would be hit by traffic and so we don't know what that cub also has witnessed the mom and the you know, how the mom maybe died. So there's got a lot of stress there that maybe that we really don't know. And so we want to, they are a bear, but it's okay. It's okay to show them compassion and kindness. But at the same time, they're a bear. So you really have to respect because they're extremely fast. So when we're bringing them in, they're much smaller, but they've got long claws. They're very fast and they can, can, they can rip you like a knife, really. So just... You know, I don't make it sound like something it's not, but they're a real animal and they're wild and they're stressed. We've talked a little bit about our dog and how it could comfort the, the bears. A lot of the states, it depended upon the state, um, but they would have these Karelian bear dogs, which look kind of like, I think I mentioned a while ago, like German shepherds. But it was really awesome to see these dogs work because they're a working dog. They're like a police dog, a canine dog or something. They're, they have a skill set and they're trained. And so, uh, on these... They have re- badges. <laughs> yeah, they have badges. Uh, and, uh, and on the releases, they're an instrumental part. So we've talked a little bit about the bears coming in that we pick up. And remember, that's initiated from a state, and they're called, you know, they call the, the uh, bear rehab. <clears throat> it's all regulated from different states, you know, with, with Idaho Fishing Game. So everybody knows what everybody's doing. And so when we bring one in, you know, we've got paperwork and stuff, a lot of credential stuff that uh, proves that, you know, we're part of what we're doing. It's all, it's all above board. There's no secrets or anything from anybody. But then after the bears live in this rehab for a period of time in the spring, we're talking a while ago about then when we are they're ready for a release. And it's really kind of a sad time, but it's also an exci- exciting time. Because when you've seen these animals and a few of them, you get to kind of know their story, just, you know, where they came from and, and those kind of things. Or like Terry mentioned a while ago about one of them having a, an injury. And uh, then you see them to be released. It's, it's, uh, it, it's like a mixed emotion kind of thing. You hate to see them go, but freedom, we all value freedom. And so to get them from the bear rehab out to the forest, Again, how do we do that? And how they do that, in part, they begin by uh, sedating the animal the day of the release. They're, they're, they're put to sleep, and there's some physical things that are done. We talked a while ago about collaring. If the bears, certain bears sometimes are, we know are going to be collared, how many bears would we take at a time? Well, it could be one would be a, a reasonable release, but it seems like we did six or eight on occasion. And what would happen is sometimes on, on uh, what, how would we get these bears or why, 
Well, one, the fires were causing real problems when Pacific Northwest was really had lots of major fires going in some of the surrounding states. So we would make it seem like back-to-back-to-back trips, maybe going into Nevada, where they'd had some pretty major fires and the, and the cubs were hurt and lost their moms and all kinds of stuff. And it seems like about the time we would get back to Idaho, you know, and then we'd turn around, there'd be another call, and maybe now we'd be going to Washington State. Again, fires and, and stuff. So when these bears are going back for release, uh, it's just a mixed deal, but that it's their freedom, and, and we all want them to recover, want them to survive and thrive, and, and it's been a very successful program, but these are not tamed animals, they're wild. As we release with the, um, when the Karelian bear dogs are used, they call it a hard release. And it is hard to watch, uh, but you know what's the best way to go about it. And you get to the point to where you're going to release. Uh, they're in their cages, which are metal. They've got like gel bars on the front and all they want by the time they get there is to get out. They've been on a long ride. It's probably been hot and they're ready to get out of there. So they allow the dogs to sniff around the cages and really irritate the bears and almost like get them mad. And um, then everybody stands back. I mean, it's just very much safety is involved in this. You, you get positioned, we all get positioned, and it's kind of like in a V, so you, so you want the bear to go into a certain area, so you stand in a V so that the bear will go that way. And you're on top of the cage, and there's locks on it, and you undo the locks, and then you all at the same time like if there's three bears going all three of us are in coordination and the officer will say release and you take the locks off open the door and usually the bears will just take off right away some of them are like i'm not so sure but you just bang on the crate and they'll they'll leave and then they shoot up in the air, these concussion grenades. concussion grenades. So as the bears are running, it keeps them going because it it's like further down and they're still hearing bangs and they want to get away. And then they release the dogs after them because the, what you want is that their last thought of man and dogs is extremely negative. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go around another human. I don't want to see another dog. I just want out of here. So it looks not so nice, but it's been successful. So can't beat success. Right. Yeah. So you probably have some really fun stories or interesting. Um, first, give us an idea of all the places that you've traveled with this program. Let's see. Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, Idaho, and I think Wyoming. Yeah, we seem like we would maybe connect 
it was unusual, but sometimes we would uh, have meet another agency midway, but that was real unusual. It seemed like Wyoming was like that. Yeah, we'd yeah. meet them someplace, but I'm not like not real sure which state. But those are the main states that we went to, and we've had some <laughs> real interesting things happen. The sequoia bear that we picked up, he was 13 pounds, and we were way too tired to drive all the way back home. And we stayed in a hotel, and they asked, do you have any animals? And I, I'm not one to lie, <laughs> but I said, yes, we have a dog and a bear. And they didn't catch that part, but at least I said it, you know. <laughs> it was going to be in a cage. It wasn't going to cause any damage or anything. And so we got in the hotel room and tried to sleep, and that bear had no intentions of us getting a good night's sleep. So after a few hours, we just said, let's go. <laughs> so we got up and ended up coming back home, but... That was that was exciting. <laughs> well, these trips there were no so I don't know how many trips we made going out and then we'd go to pick up an incoming bear and then and we've already talked about too how we'd go and release the bears. And there was probably no two trips that ever went the same. And when I say not the same, so for example, when you're simply gonna put fuel in your truck, we all know if you don't have fuel, you don't go, you gotta put, you gotta fuel it. One of the things that we learned is, is that uh, we, we, it would draw attention that it's kind of hard to go to a, you know, we've all bought self-service fuel, right? But how many times you look over and you see bears or hear, hear something and realize that there's actually bears on the back of a truck. Sticking their <laughs> paws out the gate. Oh, they do. And then, <laughs> the bars. And and the concern was, you know, safety is always a concern. And uh, we had cases where people would actually take their young child and put them up on the deck of the truck. And uh, we didn't expect to see that. And the bear could actually reach through that bar very fast and uh, it could be bad. So we learned that in any fuel stop, one person did the fuel and the other person would always do kind of the, the you'd have to kind of watch the crowd because we actually did start to get where there were crowds. We didn't want that, but that was just part of the learning curve of what was going on. And obviously nobody to get to get hurt would, had to be huge. The bears, when it would be hot, we talked a while ago about the fires and, uh, and so in the spring when we're going back, to release the bears. Now they're a grown bear and there's a lot of heat dynamics that are going on. So you're going down a hot highway. Uh, they're on the flat deck of a truck. There's nothing natural about this. Even if it was one of us humans, there's nothing natural about going down the highway like that. And then the heat from the exhaust of the truck, those are things that you're aware of. So you do try to stop and hydrate the bear when you can. And then the bears will actually, uh, the positioning of the cages on the back of the truck, there was a rhyme or reason how we would do that. Terry mentioned a while ago about the jail bars on the doors and going down a highway because they're hot, they would reach their little hands, their hands out into the air to cool themselves. Well, that that's great. But part of the learning curve is why aren't these people, why are we going down the freeway and we're doing the 55 or 60, whatever the speed limit deal is, 
and we're in the right lane and there's a line of cars in the left lane, people aren't going around us. And what we realize is the bear is putting its hands out through the jail bar thing to cool themselves. But honestly, it looked like the bears were waving to the people going by. So this was another learning curve. And, um, and it got to be a concern because sometimes there'd be a number of cars that would be, they wouldn't pass us. And uh, one event in Oregon was, uh, it just so happened that the last vehicle in line that wouldn't pass us was a state trooper, and he didn't pass us either. He lit up his light bar and came in behind us and pulled us over. And, you know, we have to have the credentials and paperwork, and uh, Terry was getting the paperwork as the trooper's getting out of his car, and he's pointing to us, you know, to come back and see him. And I can see the bears reaching their hands over the side of the truck. Again, they're not waving. They're just trying to keep cool. But the officer, he really wanted to talk to us. And well, the the officer gets out of gets out of his vehicle and he's looks really nice and he puts his hat on and makes it just right. And he looks in the driver's side mirror because Larry was waiting for him to come up and to our door and the uh, the officer points at Larry in the mirror. And, and turns his hand and pulls his finger towards back himself. He, it's like, you come here. I'm not walking. By, I'm not walking by that. <laughs> so it all turned out really well. We had every all the paperwork we needed, and he asked me if I could send pictures to his email to show his children. And so I had written up a whole story on these two particular bears, their entire story, and I sent it to him. And he just thought that was really That's neat. Sweet. Yeah. So he didn't want um, a photo op with the bear then? Huh? <laughs> well, they, did, they no. did ask in the future if we wanted to that if we wanted to let them know we were coming through the state uh, so they could be heads up and kind of see the bear. And, you know, I believe in the speed limits, et cetera, but I wasn't sure I wanted to alert the state troopers <laughs> what's coming through. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you have an experience similar to that at um, the entrance to a state, California maybe, where you have to go through the... Yeah, that was... Uh, fruit check. Yeah. <laughs> now, where's that, sweetie? That's down at uh, Nevada, California, California border. border. And it reminded me of the turnpikes, like back in New York State or Ohio, where you would pay a toll to go on the freeway. I honestly don't travel a lot. I'm kind of a home person. And I thought I was coming up to a toll booth. I didn't know it was a fruit checkpoint. And they all looked official because they were, and they acted serious because they were. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a bear, which is not, we were probably the only bear that day that came through that check station, <laughs> and especially by the way they were acted, I think that we were the only bear. And we also had like apples on the truck because we need to hydrate them while they're in transport. And the gentleman, uh, he wasn't having a really good day. And on this particular trip, we would usually take the bear truck, which had the name and stuff of the bear rehab, identify it you know, as a, the bear rehab. But on this particular case, we had our own personal vehicle. And so we could take personal time on the way back and just do some R&R, you know, turn, returning back to Idaho. So when we had a live bear going on release, this was the case. So he, the, the officer there was, uh, he was not impressed. 
he was very formal and stern and took the paperwork and, and said to me pretty much this is a quote unquote. He said, this is federal. Pull over up here and uh, don't move. Don't move. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting there thinking now I'm in my personal truck. I'm thinking, are they going to impound us? You know, I really have never had a speeding ticket. I really didn't know what to expect here. And it was about 12 or 15 minutes, and it seemed like eternity, and I'm just these bad thoughts are going through my mind. And they came back, and they're pretty excited and celebratory in a way that, oh, my gosh, you usually didn't see, like, like Idaho and, and other states and how— They had the, never seen paperwork put together so well. Yeah, they are pretty excited wow. about it. <laughs> we just wanted to get on down towards Sequoia, <laughs> but— and he, then he says, oh, we're, I'm really impressed. Do you mind if the office staff comes out and sees the bear? <laughs> Seriously? Okay. So then they wanted to feed the bear. It's like, no, we really don't let people feed the bear, but they they cut up the apples for us, and they did yeah, was... see the bear. So it is huge that we keep them hydrated and keep them as calm if we can keep them fed and hydrated, that will help keep them calm. So that stop that day with the officers there and being able to uh, hydrate them a little bit for the journey on down Sequoia was a really, it was a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. Good it, rapport. It is heavily regulated. People do horrible things with animals sometimes, and there's some things that they do with bears illegally. And so anytime we're ever stopped or questioned, we do really do encourage that. Think about the bear. Think about the, the uh, population. And uh, Yeah, we've never had to worry about any issues with crossing state lines and all that. Everything was, Sally was a big stickler on making sure everything was covered. And, and it always was. And, and I appreciated that about her. Oh, yeah. It made your job much more pleasant for sure it seemed like when we would so for folks that maybe aren't familiar with geography of idaho and washington state there's an area you travel they call the blues and it's uh it's high country forest and the interstate it gets really slick and bad in the winter time and we're not sure why, uh, just it is what it is, but it seemed like every time we got back from a, a winter transport inbound to Boise, uh, they'd have another bear turn up almost exactly where we had just been, so we turn around and go back again. Mm-hmm. And I bet we did about six or eight of those almost back-to-back through the blues. <laughs> but people were very you know, accommodating. Uh, we did get caught in a blizzard. Terry mentioned while ago about the hotel. We had one, at, but that was a little cub. We got caught with a larger bear in a blizzard uh, coming from Washington State to Idaho. And and the weather was bad, but when we get on the major interstate, the tractor traders were starting to line up on the shoulder of the road because it was getting that bad. They closed the highway. So we were able to get with Sally um, at the bear rehab, and we had a problem because they were going to close down the freeway, and we had a bear. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting close to the town of Pendleton. Mm-hmm. And so Sally was able to get with, this is so cool. This is so cool how uh, eight different agencies can come together and work together and cooperate. And so in our case, where we're bringing now, bringing a bear from Washington State. And it was late at night. And now we're in the state of Oregon. <laughs> and we've got this bear. And, and the Oregon officials could not have been any more gracious or kind how they accommodated us. 
They met us where we were in Pendleton and took us to one of their outlying facilities that was real safe. And uh, they did all the people power of lifting that bear in the cage off a building and getting it inside for the night during the blizzard. So then we could go back to the hotel. We would never leave a bear on the back of a truck at night with not one of us around it. So it was pretty encouraging to us how Oregon officials really stepped up. And then the next morning again, just went back and they loaded it and everything. We had another situation. This was a not a yearling bear. It was a, it was a probably a two-year-old bear, which normally does not come to the facility. But he had been hurt. It was a bear up in uh, Stanley, and he had been shot in the face. And the fish and game officer knew he was out there and called and got special permission because he knew the bear was just suffering um, to, to come into the rehab. So that was a really exciting run because we we went up there and they found the bear and tranquilized it and we transported it back to Boise and half of its face was gone, literally. Oh, wow. And he went through a few surgeries and he first had to prove that he could mm. drink and that he could eat before they would uh, do these surgeries on him. And so he did, and he would stick his whole face in the water and, and suck it up instead of licking. And it, 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 he was just amazing. Um, his he name, uh, he compensated for it. And um, I named him Jaws. It just seemed appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And he was on the news a few times because he was a really special, real special bear to everybody. And and the news kind of kept up with him to see how he was doing. And um, it was real special to mm. be able to release him back into the wild, that big of a wow. bear. And yeah, uh-huh. it was... That was a very unusual case, though, because usually it's just babies that are brought in. What was really interesting was when we took it in for release, and with these animals, you know, to all of us, we're out in the forest, and we see it as a forest, but as the bear, they see it as a grocery store. (laughs) So as soon as you release these bears (laughs) off the truck, and there are different ways to release, depending upon Korean bear dogs, you talked about other things. Sometimes it's, um, so anyhow, when you release the bear, as soon as the bear gets out there, they, they just go right to foraging or whatever, and, and uh, they're just happy. Tipping rocks over, tipping uh, <laughs> old logs over. I mean, immediately. Yeah, one of them climbed up a tree, like in a, a kid in a playground. And it, it, I'm not making this up. The bear climbed up the tree, probably about 10 feet, I don't know. And it went out on a limb and it started swinging it like a lot of us have done in our younger years. It just looked like, like a, a trapeze. Kid there. And I'm standing there watching this. And I think this is going to be tragic that this bear has been transported in, gone through all. All the months of rehab, you know, survived, and now in the release, and it's going to go and climb a tree and fall and break its neck, literally. But it didn't. It's a bear. They're pretty resilient. Oh, how fun! <laughs> oh, we, it it was it was it was a wonderful experience for us. We both have had a lot of health 
issues, but we got all the help that we needed. We, you know, we couldn't lift, but everybody else could. And Mm -hmm. so we were mainly just the transport team and making sure we got to point A to B and um, taking care of them along the way. But as far as us doing any of the lifting or all that stuff, it, it was all done for us and it was all done with love and and just people just got so excited that there was even this program out there i mean most people never heard of a bear rehab right and and it is happening and and it's it's a wonderful program and there's been a lot of bears that have lived because of it and gone on and just lived in the forest like they're supposed to it's really fun to watch them because they are they are so playful with each other it's we always want more than one bear there sometimes there's lean years where you don't you don't have that many bears come in we've had up to 53 bears at one time which is an extraordinary amount which you don't ever really want <laughs> but that's when we had all the fires and stuff and Sally could never say no. So, um, but when there's when there's more than one, there's going to be playtime, and oh. and it is really fun to watch them. <laughs> and it's all volunteer. It's a volunteer mm-hmm. program, and it's done all on donations. So yeah, there's no yeah, it's it's not a government supported kind of program. So oh, it's all through private donations, as far mm-hmm. as I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of in closing here, you know, where we do, we did talk where we try to, to keep these bears hydrated and it's hot. And and one day there was a long, a long, long, long trip, like over to the, the coast in Oregon. And uh, we were trying to hydrate this bear. So we ran and got a bag of ice. Um, and, and I got a little careless, this bag of ice. And I got up near the the jail kind of a bar door and that bear lunged at that bag and that bag exploded mm-hmm. uh, it grabbed it with its claw and of its claws but the the point the memory there for me was that you know just how fast and how strong these animals are and how much we needed to respect them because really i'd kind of let my guard down yeah you can't let <laughs> your guard it, down around and when he grabbed that, that bag of ice it may sound minor but that thing you know we've all seen a nice sized bag of ice okay uh, it pretty much exploded <laughs> and so uh yeah so we want to respect these creatures and we want to take care of them and they aren't toys <laughs> leave the baby bears with their mothers yes <laughs> if at all possible because it, a couple of them were actually stolen from their mothers. And a fed bear is a dead bear. If you have a bear and you're trying to feed it, or you, you want to treat it like it, uh, what happens is, this seems to be the consistency that if, if you feed a bear in the wild and it becomes then a nuisance bear, and that's what happens, uh, then they become a nuisance bear, and then the officials come out and they have to trap it. And quite often, it's a life sentence for the bear. It's going to die. They have to put it down. So we're trying to be kind and feed this wild animal. It turns out that uh, it's actually a 
uh, death sentence for the bear. So they, they know how to forage for food. Yeah, a fed <laughs> bear is a dead bear. So yeah. just please ask people to not be feeding them in the wild. So I just encourage people too, where they can go help in the community for something uh, that they would enjoy. It's a, it's a great opportunity to to there, go do it. There's things out there that you don't realize are out there, and and it was yeah. it was just a blessing to us to have found this little niche that we could fit for seven years, and mm. and then we volunteered someplace else for seven years so it's it's there are places out there and i would encourage people to to do that it 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 makes life a little more exciting and yeah helpful helpful to others yeah thank you larry and terry this has really been a privilege and lots of fun if you'd like to learn more about idaho black bear rehab you can go to to their website, www.bearrehab.org. They're also on Facebook, and I saw them on Twitter and Instagram. I even saw a couple YouTube videos. So um, it's just lots of fun to watch bears at play or at sleep, and I was amazed to see that uh, they do not um, sleep well. They're kind of active when they're uh, hibernating, which was interesting. That's all for now. Thanks for having us, you guys. It was fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. And we also thank our listeners. Remember, you too have a story. Be sure to live it to the fullest. Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at beckylyles.com. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.